Good evening, church. We get to now spend time in this season celebrating the birth of Jesus, the long-awaited, the long-anticipated uh, Savior of the world. I'm, I'm hope you're here uh, with some celebration in your heart, especially as we get closer and closer, as we've talked about hope, and as we've talked about peace, and as we continue in our series, as we, we get closer to the birth of Jesus, I hope that this, this heart of celebration and anticipation is, is growing in you, and that you're, you're making progress, and you're finding, you're finding uh, these things like peace and hope as we, as we contemplate the birth of Jesus, the, the Savior of the world. We believe and we know that there's hope for you. We know that there's hope because Jesus really was born. He was born and he actually did open the door of heaven for anyone of any background, of any sexuality, anyone with any life situation, any life situation that they can turn to Jesus, believe in Jesus, give their lives to Jesus, be forgiven, rescued, restored, made new, saved, given a new beginning, all this hope, completely new, fresh start, because Jesus was born, was crucified, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead. You might call this good news of great joy for all people, like the angel did in Luke chapter 2. Today, we're going to be talking about this concept of seeking joy, about seeking joy, seeking to have the joy levels in our lives go up, and the Opposite of joy, let's go down. So like joylessness, sorrow, grieving, um, sadness, gloominess, things like that to, to, to go down. Depression to go down in our lives. We at this church want your joy levels to go up. We want your joy levels to go way up this season. We want depression to go down. And we believe that this is completely possible for you. In your situation, in your context, whatever you're going through, we believe that you can have an increase of joy, an increase of joy this season, even if nothing in your context changes. We believe real joy is possible for every one of us, so today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about seeking joy and the path from here to more joy. Actually, the path from here to much more joy. We're going to talk about today, but for our Christmas story, we are going to briefly look at the story of the wise men and their journey as they come to bring gifts to, to Jesus. Let's, we're going to read this together. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2. The words are going to be on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can check and validate, but yeah, this, this is legit. Luke chapter 2. Uh, here's the story that we're, many of us are very familiar with. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time, the exact time the star appeared. 
He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Just a few quick things about, about this story. Definitely a true story. Uh, a definitely true story. These magi, these magi, these wise men, they come from the east. Who, who are they? Who are they? Well, let me remind you that 500 years earlier, the chief of all the magi in the east, the chief of all the wise men of the east was a person you know, a guy named Daniel. Daniel, he was, the, he was the head of all the wise men, of, of all the matter. He was in charge of them all. And for about 70 years, off and on, depending on the ruler, he was either the chief of the Magi or he was in this, the highest levels of leadership, either in the Babylonian government or in the Persian government, which, which followed. All, he wasn't the only one. You, f- you read about a few others, like we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and other people who were trained, uh, 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 magi in the east, wise men of the east. So they're, they're part of the highest levels of leadership. And when, God, when God's people were allowed to return, Daniel didn't return, and many people didn't return a, a, and with them. In fact, many, more than many. I would say on the most side of many. And so you read other stories of people, about people like Esther and Nehemiah and Mordecai and, and people like that who are living and thriving and in high-level leadership positions in the East, in the, in the Persian government or, or whatever, and they haven't returned. And, and why is that? Well, because God has blessed them in the land of their captivity as, as they sought to seek the prosperity of the land. And so they, 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 they're thriving. Their synagogues are thriving. Their scholarship, their biblical scholarship is thriving. They're writing this commentary in Babylon, this great commentary of the Old Testament scriptures. They're, they're thriving over there. And when they got the opportunity to return, most of them looked at the devastated land and the ruined cities and thought, why would we return? We've got jobs here. We're successful here. We've got influence here. What is there? Broken cities. What, what are we going to give up our jobs here and become shepherds? It'd be like if God said, okay, everybody, all the believers, you get to move to Shetland Islands. And we're like, yay. And, and um, what, okay, great. What would we do there? What would we do there? And we're like, you're like, I've got, I've got a job. There's not enough jobs for us. There's not enough houses for us. There's not enough, there's not enough place for all the believers to, to, to move up there. Uh, not all the believers in, in the land to, to move there. It just, it, just, it just doesn't make sense. And so most stayed in, in the land because of their, their success. And, and that, so there, that dynasty, that, that tradition of scholarship and leadership of Jewish people and, and high-ranking people in, in the government and in the East and, and the wise men, that, that continued on. It continued on for the ages. All that to say is the wise men of the East were very familiar and, and expectant of this future king that Daniel knew all about, that he, that he wrote about. 
this future king who would be born of the tribe of Judah. He's very familiar. So when they saw his star in the east, they came to worship him. But there's more. The star. The star. Now, some would say it's a miraculous apparition. It's a miraculous apparition, and it could have been, but let me just say a few factual things about the star, about the, star, uh, about the historicity of the star, the, the, the truthfulness of the Christmas stories. We have great records of the ancient skies as you as you know uh, the ba- the babylonians took great records during this time also the ancient chinese had great records uh, of of this this time here's a picture here's a picture from um paul meyer's book in the fullness of time and it's of this astrological event that took place on the 6th of february nope that's not true at all in february 6 bc <laughs> You know how it is. February 6 BC. February 6 BC. Now, what's, what's going on here is every 805 years, let me just say that again in case that went past you, every 805 years, you have this, this moment where Jupiter and Saturn, they come into extraordinary alignment every 805 years. But in February 6 BC, Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars came together within the constellation of Pisces. Where's Ben Kelsey? I, I heard him correct me earlier this morning. Uh, in, in, the, in the constellation here. And, and to, to us, we're like, yay. But to them, they're, they're like, no, this is, this is huge. What it, what, it mean to, what it meant to them was this. Jupiter, the highest king, the, the high god, the high king uh, planet, in every culture, whether it was Zeus from the Greeks or Murdoch from the, from the Babylonians, Jupiter, the Romans, it represents the highest God, the king of the universe. You have that connected with Saturn, the ring planet, which referred to the shield and defender of Israel, the shield and defender of the land. Also, then you have Mars coming together, victory, triumph, and all that, all those images. In the constellation, which represents the land of Syria and, and Israel, that, that, that area, that geographical region. And so when the ancient magi, when the wise men of the east, they looked up and they, they saw the stars in their language declaring this, declaring that the cosmic ruler or highest king was, was appearing now at the culmination of history. That's what they would see when they, that's what they would understand when they saw that in the sky, February 6 B.C., now, February 6 B.C., that is less than two years before Jesus is born. That's why I highlight that. Remember, uh, they ask, uh, Herod quizzes them to the exact time the star appears, and then he goes out after he realizes he's deceived in 4 B.C., and he, and he wipes out the, the, the babies two years and under. He, he knew exactly when this star appeared. Is that the star? I don't know, maybe, but it's definitely the message. There's another thing, though, that we get to, that we have very well documented by the ancient Chinese. Uh, it's, a, it's a comet. It's a comet called 52. There's, there's a, a comet number 52. There's a picture of not comet 52. There wasn't cameras back then. This is just a comet, but you, you got the idea. You got the idea. Uh, and so, what the, what the ancient Chinese write about is this comet, Comet 52, appearing for 70 days the year Jesus was born. Actually, during the Passover festival when Jesus is born, March, April, 5 BC, 
Jesus being born later on that year. The Chinese wrote about it, and the comet, the way that they described it, the comet would look like from the land of Babylon, from the land of Persia, from the east, it would look like it's going straight to the land of Israel. Just in the trajectory and the way that it's going and traveling. That's how it would appear, especially as they followed it. Followed it. And crazy enough, again, the same year Jesus is born, uh, when, they, when they got to um, Jerusalem, you know, there, there's only, there's a, it's a 45-minute walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It's, it's a road. It's not a complicated. There's not like choose your own adventure. There's a road. You know what road you're, they're walking from seeing Herod to going to Bethlehem. You know the exact trajectory of this road. You know from, from the Chinese where the, the, the comet is and, and all this kind of stuff and how it appears. And, and in, light of, in light of where it's based in the planet, all this kind of stuff, there's this thing called zodi- zodiacal light. Zodiacal light. And what is that? It looks to how I would under, what I would think of it looking like and how it's described is the Milky Way. You've seen the Milky Way, how it looks like this, this haze in the sky. Well, in subtropical latitudes, uh, in, on clear days, and, and how it would have, a, have appeared from Bethlehem or approaching Bethlehem from Jerusalem based on the comet's placement, it would look, is that picture up, the, the next picture? It would, it, could, it would look, if it was a clear day, like this, this um, Milky Way haze going straight down to Bethlehem based on the, on the alignment of everything. Interesting. Very interesting. I just want to remind you that the story of Jesus, all of it, and his birth, it's based on very true and very reliable accounts. It's, it's a true story. And because the, the Christmas story is, is true, and the birth of Jesus is true, we have a very certainly and real place hope. Our topic today is, is seeking joy. And in the passage here, we read about the, the Magi, the wise men following the star, and, and when they had left Jerusalem, and they're walking that 45-minute road, or 45 yeah, 45-minute road there. It, we read this in Matthew 2. It, it, we said, we saw, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. They were overjoyed beyond measure. The Magi were seeking Jesus and as they got closer, they were encouraged. They were encouraged by seeing the star and so that they were overjoyed by beyond measure. I just want to point out that their beyond measure joy took place before they arrived. That, that beyond mother, uh, beyond mother, no, uh, beyond, beyond what? Measure. <laughs> beyond measure joy uh, took place before they arrived, before they reached the king, before they found Jesus, before they found the one that they had been, been searching for. And, and, and I want to highlight that because too many people think that joy is something that you, only, that you only can have when you arrive. That you can only get that joy when you, when you get to your destination. Joy is the only thing when you, that you can have when you get out of the hard times, when you finally arrive in the good days, when you get out of the difficult and disappointing seasons that you're in. People will say, I'm grieving, so I can't have joy. Or they'll say, I'm lonely, so I can't have joy. 
or they'll say, I'm, I'm stuck in this life, in this situation, and I, so I can't have joy, or I'm, I'm in a season of, of depression and discouragement, so, so I, I can't have joy until this, thing, this season's over, until I get out of this season. But the great news is, that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. You can have very real and life-transforming joy while you're still in a season of grieving, while you're still battling with depression, you can find very real joy, even in those seasons. The Apostle Paul, he writes, rejoice always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. He writes that, now there's a time for weeping and there's a time for grieving and there's a time to be, to be upset and sad and sorrow and all that sort of thing. This, um, my very special grandfather passed away yesterday. He passed away yesterday. And so this for me is a season where I'm, I, I've got very real grief. And so I'm not saying that grieving is inappropriate at all. But what I am saying is, that the path to joy is very accessible in any and every season, including seasons of grief. You don't have to get out of the land of grief to have seasons of joy. I have joy right now. I'm not faking it. I'm not faking it. I have joy right now. The Bible gives us lots of practical, practical directions on how to live and grow in joy. I want to live with joy. I want to live with joy in, in every season, and I, I've discovered this path. And so today we're going to talk about the ABCs of how to seek joy. A, A, accept Jesus. Accept Jesus. The first step to joy disconnected from our circumstances is giving your life to Jesus, being forgiven, and being saved. Now, why is that important? Because of salvation, yes, great, but also because when you get, give your life to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. And Galatians chapter 5 tells us that one of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the, one of the things that grows in your life when the Spirit is there is joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, those kind of things. They grow because the Spirit is there. So you accept Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit, and He works, and part of His, part of His presence produces joy in our life. Even when times are difficult. Terrible even. Even when they're terrible. Now, many of you have done that. Many of you have done that. You have given your life to Jesus. You're still not feeling a lot of joy right now. So, A, accept Jesus, but there's more. B, Believe God loves you. Believe God loves you. If you really believe that you are adored by the God of heaven, if you felt loved by God, accepted by God, wanted by God, believed that the God who loved you made you rightly, made you exactly as you needed to be, made you that way for a purpose, for a reason that you are custom-designed, custom set apart for God's purposes for for this generation for things that he has for you to to do specifically that you're significant that you're important to him that you're safely loved that you're dearly loved and this God who loves you is paying attention and that God is able to rescue you from all harm out of every trial 
out of every depression, out of every stuck situation? If you believed that fully, you would be, even if your circumstance didn't, didn't change, you would be encouraged. You would be encouraged in your heart, and joy would take a step forward in your life. If you spend time running and believing this truth, joy is going to go up. Okay, so A, accept Jesus. B, believe God loves you. And C, choose to pursue joy. Choose to, choose to pursue joy. You can actively pursue joy. I, I've, do, I've done it. I do this often. We are not a victim we are not a victim at the mercy of life as to whether we'll have joy or not. We're not a victim at the mercy of life as to whether we're going to have joy or not. Joy can actively be pursued and found by anyone in any circumstance. If you're passive about joy, though, it's going to pass you by. If you're passive about joy, it's going to pass you by. You've got to choose to pursue joy. How do you do that? Well, the Bible is bursting with directions on this. And, and often it doesn't say, if you want joy, do this. But instead, God just gives us directions. And if we do that, we find that there's joy. That that was the path to joy. That God has been leading us and guiding us on the path of joy. For instance, thankfulness. Thankfulness. Cultivating thankfulness. Cultivating thankfulness is part of choosing to pursue joy. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. That key word, in everything, in every context, in every situation, give thanks. This is a huge thing for finding joy in difficult moments. In grief, you can cultivate thankfulness. I did that this morning, making sure my heart was good and right in this. In isolation, in, in, in lonely seasons, you can contemplate and cultivate thankfulness. Even in the most difficult seasons of life, you can cultivate thankfulness. And thankfulness grows joy. Thankfulness grows joy. And every one of us can apply that today. Another one is being encouraged. Being encouraged. The Bible commands us, commands us to encourage one another. Being encouraged helps joy go up, especially when things are down. I was encouraged this week by a mentor and his wife. I was on uh, a call with them. They encouraged me. They spoke words of encouragement. They prayed for me, encouraged me. They directed, they spoke to me about this book, which encouraged me. I bought the book. I read the book. It encouraged me. I went on to do my Bible reading for that week. I was encouraged by that. The result of all this encouragement was heaps of joy. Joy going way up. My circumstances didn't change at all. At all. But I was encouraged, and joy went way up. Encourage one another. We're commanded to be people who are producing joy around us. By encouraging one another. If no one's encouraging you, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry that we're letting you down as God's people. But you're not without hope. I find a vast amount of encouragement from God Himself while reading and praying in the morning. And I'm not being cliche about this. I really do. It's there to be had. 
It's there to be had massive amounts of encouragement leading to joy by spending time in prayer and God's word. It's, it's another way. Thirdly, another way is living expectant. Living expectant. The wise men hadn't arrived, but they were encouraged by seeing the star and they were very expectant that the moment that they were, that they'd been striving towards, the moment that they'd been journeying towards was close at hand. And it was that expectancy along with that, that star being there and appearing in the way that it all came together, it filled them with not over the top joy, with overjoyed beyond measuredness. Overjoyed beyond measuredness. I work really hard at living expectant. At, at, at living expectant, especially in, in hard moments. Prayerfully expectant that, that even if things don't work out as I hope that God's going to be with me. Prayerfully expectant that God, that God who actually loves me and is paying attention is going to act. Is going to act on my, on my behalf. Many times, many times God rescues intervenes especially those who are crying out to him day and night night and day for for justice and for his help but even if he doesn't before we die again thinking of shadrach meshach and abednego some former wise men who who talked about god's going to save them from the fiery furnace but even if he doesn't former magi former wise men we live in great expectancy anyways. Even if God doesn't rescue us out of our current situations, we have that great expectation that, that all of our suffering will be rewarded. It'll be rewarded that our tears will be wiped away and, and that in the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians that our light and momentary affliction, which does not feel light and momentary, but instead brutal, and painful, and overwhelming at times, but in comparison, this light and momentary affliction will produce in us, I quote, an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Whatever we're facing now, it is absolutely incomparable to the goodness and the glory that is on the way. Living with expectancy, living with expectancy. And the absolutely incomparable reward beyond our wildest dreams is true for my grandfather today, but that's true for us now as we look forward and we look ahead and living with that joy-producing expectancy. Joy-producing expectancy. Paul goes on to say in that moment, he says, what is seen is temporary. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen lasts forever. The painful is temporary. The incredible future is forever. So live expectant and let that produce joy. All of us around here, we want, we want you to be filled with the same thing that the wise men are in Matthew chapter 2. We want you to be overjoyed beyond measure. And we want you, no matter your circumstances, no matter your situations, no matter your challenges in this season, to experience great breakthrough in this area of joy. And I really believe you can. I know you can. I know you can if you're intentional about it. That your joy levels can go up. I don't know your story, but I know our God. I know how this works. Your joy levels can go up.
Because Jesus was born, he was crucified, raised from the dead, destroying death and darkness, offering you light and life and help and hope and his spirit. Enjoy. So we're going to we're going to work on that this week and i've got some challenges that if you do these things your joy levels will go up the first one is this seek joy this week by making a list of two things no 50 things of 50 things you're thankful for and then praying through them, thanking God. If you make a list of 50 things that you are thankful for, your joy levels are going to go up. I, I had somebody from this morning service text me one of his uh, thankful things. It encouraged me. Uh, feel free to share. Hey, you know what? I'm thankful for you. I'm like, yeah. Uh, 50 things. That will impact your heart. Secondly, seek joy by setting your alarm 30 minutes early one day this week or every day this week whatever word you want to put there but at least one or every simply to read the bible and pray asking god to encourage you and fill you with joy again in my experience i have been encouraged many times in this and thirdly seek joy by giving uh, by giving joy seek joy by giving joy out by intentionally encouraging people every day um, keep a list of names of people that you encourage and see if you found your own joy levels higher on days you encouraged more people. That's like a seeking joy experiment for you. Were you more filled with joy the more you were encouraging and bringing God's joy into other people's lives? I bet, I bet that's going to be the case. But track that this week. I believe you can have more joy. I expect that you can have more joy if you just act on these things and you take this stuff to heart.